Pastor Xavier Reese with an Old Testament illustration for redemption and the grace of God. God's understanding of our condition as sinners was much like Mephibosheth. We were as lost sinners without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. As Mephibosheth was given grace, so we have been given grace by Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We are saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves is a gift of God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The story of Mephibosheth contains an interesting turn of fate, while providing a wonderful picture of grace. As a boy, he was made crippled because of a nurse that dropped him while frantically fleeing in haste at the news of King Saul and Jonathan's death. She rightly feared that David, the leader of the new dynasty, would execute Mephibosheth, as he was a potential heir of the former dynasty. But in the end, Mephibosheth's weakness, rather than a source of worthlessness, conversely became the cause for great grace from David, who bestowed him with royal privilege. Let's listen as Pastor Xavier draws some encouraging parallels of God's grace imparted to us, blemished with sin, yet being received at the heavenly king's table. Second Samuel chapter 9, and the message is entitled, David's Grace on Mephibosheth. There's the name if you're going to have some babies. Um... Remember, David is now king of Judah and Israel. David has been reigning about 20 years since the death of Saul and Jonathan now. It is at this particular time that David, he was all-powerful in terms of a supreme ruler, that he chooses to seek out the remaining descendants of Saul and graciously bless the one personally who did not deserve it, the son of Jonathan. Mephibosheth. Let's begin here with the grace of David towards Mephibosheth, the expositional, verse 1 through 13. David remembered the covenant he had made with Jonathan. The inquiry of David was made in verse 1. We have the very words of David that are recorded for us here. Now David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul? David had sworn to Jonathan, as you know, to protect his heir and never kill them in 1 Samuel 20, 42 and also 23, 18. The personal desire of David is expressed that I may show him kindness. Now, Mephibosheth had become crippled at the age of five as his nurse carried him and dropped him when she heard the news of Saul and Jonathan's death, 2 Samuel 4.4 tells us. He had to have been about his mid-20s here, 23, 25. Now, David is acting on his own here with full authority benevolently as the king. He is acting. No one's forcing him. This is totally of his own will, as is God towards us, as we'll see. No one forced him to save us, to make those provisions. David inquired about his location. So the king said to him, where is he? For 20 years, David had fought, traveled the land. He hadn't heard of Mephibosheth. He didn't hear anywhere he was. David knew the land. He was a shepherd. Ziba responded, and Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. Now, the location, notice, was in Lodibar, which means no pasture. 
a barren land, so descriptive of the life of Mephibosheth. He used to be the son of the king, had everything. For 20 years, he has been living on nothing. Mephibosheth knew the custom of the kings that the new king would execute all the old heirs to make sure there was no rebellion. And for 20 years, he'd rather just remain quiet and hiding. You understand? Look at 5. David sent someone that Mephibosheth be brought to him from the house of Machir, from Lodibar. Verse 6, the entrance of Mephibosheth before David is described here. His entrance was marked by reverence. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. But listen, listen. We know he's crippled. He has a hard time walking. So probably before this, he could hear Mephibosheth way down the hall. Clank, clank. And David's not looking. Oh, here comes the crib. David's excited to see him. Look what he declared. Verse 6. Here is your servant. He was presenting himself as the slave of David. He acknowledged here his inferior position before the superior, deserving only death. He knows it. And the words of David had to have shocked Mephibosheth as he saw absolute grace poured upon him. Don't miss this. Verse 7. So David said to him, Do not fear. <sighs> 20 years of anxiety. David said, Do not fear. Why? Because of the custom of extermination. When he said, Do not fear, it wasn't going to be applied. Then comes the good news. For I will surely show you kindness. The word kindness again is hesed, loving kindness, the covenant love. The idea behind it is faithfulness and loyal love, full of natural affection. The word is used of the goodness and abundance grace of God to his own people consistently. This loving kindness was undeserved. No one knew this better than Mephibosheth. Notice the reason. For Jonathan, thy father's sake. Him, not because of Mephibosheth, but because of Jonathan. We have been recipients of Christ, as we'll see, not because of us, because of him. The blessing was on the basis of the covenant of David that he had made with Jonathan and his faithfulness not, had nothing to do with Mephibosheth. David was promising him personal provision and protection. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, taken from Lodabar, no pasture, barren land, to the capital of the nation to live with the king in abundance, so much like you and I, from where God took us. You understand? Man. For he ate continually at the king's table, the acceptance of Mephibosheth, despite his condition, is stated. And he was lame in both of his feet. David didn't mind. Wow. Jesus told Simon the Pharisee, if you remember in Luke 7, 39 through 50, that those who had been forgiven much, loved much. He had forgiven this harlot. Jesus said to Simon, Simon, do you see this woman? Simon saw a whore, a harlot. He didn't see a woman. 
Jesus saw a woman who had repented of her sins. You understand me? Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 26, 28, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Why many? Because not all will accept Christ. He died for all, but not many will accept Christ. The believer understands the honor that God gives to us in salvation, but we also understand the horror of the loss for eternity. So we're to have compassion. Paul the Apostle puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.11. He says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known to your conscience. So we try to minister the gospel everywhere we can, as often as we can, as God opened those doors, because I remember what it is to be lost, and I remember and understand the grace of God. You understand me? The grace of God is joyfully imparted as evidence of a child of God. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another, John 13, 35. It's God's love for us that causes me to love God, and therefore I can extend that love to others regardless of where they've been, knowing that only the grace of God can turn their life around through repentance. You understand? And make them new creatures. The Bible says that we are to be men of our word and let our yes be yes and no be no, lest we fall into judgment, James 5.18. If we have said yes to salvation then we must say yes to impart salvation to others as often and as readily as we can. This is the grace of David towards Mephibosheth, the expositional. Now the parallel that we want to look at first is the grace of God towards Israel, the prophetical. There's a beautiful type of God's grace towards Israel in this passage to be fulfilled ultimately during the millennial kingdom because, you know, the millennial kingdom is for Israel. It's not for us. We reign with Christ, but it's for Israel, okay? God will remember his covenant which he made with Abraham that he would preserve his seed as a remnant and not destroy it altogether. God has done it through history regarding Israel. If you know your Bible and if you study history, you understand this. God sent them into Egypt, and he delivered them from Egypt. God sent them into the Babylonian captivity. He brought them back by the command of Cyrus. Jesus came to his own, and he cried over Jerusalem, and they rejected him as Messiah. So he rejected the Jews and the city and declared that in 70 A.D., it would be destroyed, but the scriptures tell us that he would bring them back in the last days. And in March 14, 1948, they declared their independence for the third time after 2,000 years without a homeland, maintaining their culture, their identity, without a land. No other culture or nation or race has done that for more than two to three generations before they are assimilated to another people and disappear. You must answer me if you don't believe in God. Explain to me, Israel. There's only one explanation. God is faithful. The 70th week of Daniel is yet to be fulfilled. Daniel 9, 27. The first 69 weeks were fulfilled to the T as Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem on donkey, fulfilling Zechariah 9, 9, the first part. And you find that in Matthew 21. 
483 years to the day based on a 360-day Bible calendar, which is also a Babylonian calendar. It's 360, not 365. That's a Gregorian calendar. And when you multiply that out, I think it comes out to 173,880 days. I could stand corrected. Just multiply it out. Uh, just off the top of my head. To the very day, March 14, 445 BC, Artaxerxes gave the command to Nehemiah to restore and rebuild Jerusalem in the troublous times. Jesus rode into Jerusalem, April the 6th, 32 AD. To the day. Now, what would make you think that if Jesus fulfilled it exactly, the first 69, that he's not going to fulfill the last week? The next event that needs to take place is Russia attacking Israel, which God will destroy her and her confederate nations of Islam. Ezekiel 38 and 39. If you weren't with us in our series, pick it up. Jesus said that he came in the name of his father and he was rejected. There will come one in his own name, him you will receive, John 5, 43. He was talking about the Antichrist. The man of sin, the son of perdition, the lawless one, the one who is coming according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, with all deception. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 10. We already have had a good example of what it is to go after a person in his last election, kind of cultic-wise. This is nothing what's going to happen with the Antichrist. Man, they're going to accept him. He's going to have all the solutions, military, religious, economic, everything. Paul put it this way in Romans 13, 11. Listen. And do this, knowing the time that now is, at high, is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Paul tells us the blindness in part has happened to Israel. He doesn't want us to be ignorant about it until the fullness of the Gentile comes in in Romans eleven twenty five, The blindness is the result of rejecting the word of God. Jesus gave them up. Partial blindness. The, at least the Orthodox Jews believe in the Old Testament God, but they don't believe in Jesus' Messiah. So blindness in part. The fullness of the Gentile is the complete number of people to be saved before the Lord removes his church on the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. Apostle, suddenly, violently, from the earth to the clouds to be with the Lord. Let me tell you, if you like Magic Mountain, you're going to like the rapture. <laughs> Listen to God through Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord Yahweh, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. The new covenant. They will see him, the one they have pierced. And they will call for him. God will return to destroy the nations of the world, the battle of Armageddon, and set up his millennial kingdom and give it to Israel. Isaiah 2, Isaiah 11, and so many other passages that speak about it. This is the grace of God towards Israel, the prophetical. Just like Mephibosheth. They don't deserve it. Right? Now, the next parallel is the grace of God towards the sinner, the redemptional that's going on right now in the age of grace. Beautiful type of God's grace towards the sinner. God made a covenant with Adam, as you know, in Genesis 3.15, where the first promise of the virgin birth of Messiah was, the seed of the woman. As Mephibosheth was guilty by the descendants of his father in his grandfather's line, so we through Adam have the sentence of death over us, Romans 5, 12 says. 
where Adam's seed were sinners. Death entered in through sin. Death passed to all men. We all are sinners by him. As Mephibosheth was given grace, so we have been given grace by Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We are saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. God's understanding of our condition as sinners was much like Mephibosheth. We were dead in trespasses and sins, as Ephesians 2, 1 says. We were by nature children of wrath, as Ephesians 2, 3 says. We were as lost sinners without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world, the darkest description of man in the world lost, Ephesians 2.12. Having no hope without God in the world. How horrible. Every person that is not saved is living in Lodibar, no pasture, barren land. God seeks the sinner and draws them by his Holy Spirit, as you know. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. That's important. He didn't just come to call sinners. Call them to repentance, Luke 5, 33. Jesus was called a friend of sinners in Luke 7, 34. Jesus received, ate, and drank with sinners, Luke 15, 1 and 2. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, Jesus told the one of Samaria in John 4, 24. In spirit, the Holy Spirit, and truth, the word of God. Yet you may be ignorant of God's provisions, the ones he has made for you, being blinded by the God of this world who holds you captive at his will, according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4 and 2 Timothy 2, 26. And you need to lift your heart because he's brought you here to understand the gospel. He'll turn the light on for you and let you see you as a sinner. And whether you agree with him or not is your decision. But you will not be ignorant after today. You will know that God loves you. He died for you. And that you can go to heaven. But you also have the right to go to hell if you choose to. But you really don't have to go there. You're wasting away your years on low debar if you don't know Jesus Christ. Barren land. Now God has proclaimed five things to the sinner. Let me give them to you. God says, fear not. Why? Because God does not want to destroy us, but to bless us. The fall of Adam has been made right. Fear not. Being justified we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1. Second, God will show kindness and grace and merited favor to all sinners who agree with God that they are under the wrath and in need of salvation. There's the condition. People say, oh, salvation is unconditional. It is not. It is conditional. It's conditioned that you agree with God that you're lost and you need salvation and that you trust Christ who died in your place. That's a big condition. Forgiving your sins and making you a new creature. Giving you eternal life. Giving you a new mind. Giving you his Holy Spirit. Giving you a new divine nature. Giving you a new heart. Strengthening you through the Spirit of God to live the life of Christ. Third, God does all this on the basis of Jesus Christ, 
not anything you and I have done. His motive is love, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. His basis is substitution. John the Baptist pointing to Jesus to his disciples in John 1, 29, behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. He would die in our place. The invitation is to all, John 3, 16, and also 1 John 2, 2. And he, Christ, is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours alone, the believer, but the whole world. Fourthly, God will restore to me all that God intended for me. The prophecy of Joel, Joel 2.25, says that those who call on the name of God and repent, he will give them back the years of swarming and crawling and consuming locusts have eaten. What a promise. Some of us threw away so many years. We come to Christ, and now we live so abundantly. It's less different as night and day. Like David told Mephibosheth, he would eat at his table four times. So God says we shall eat bread at his table continually. This is the proclamation of God to sinners if they repent. Jesus gave the meaning and the new meaning of the Passover, the breaking of his body, the shedding of his blood, the Lord's table, the communion. Very picturesque in John 13 as he just took his robe off and washed the feet and served them. And then Paul gives us the institution to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11. God says we are his adopted children just as Mephibosheth was sold. Galatians 4, 5. Ephesians 1, 5. He adopted us. He wasn't forced. God desires to honor us and present us without fault before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Jude verse 24 is only one chapter. This is the new covenant, ladies and gentlemen, that Paul speaks about, 2 Corinthians 3, 6. The old was good, but compared to the new, it's nothing. The old is death, the new is life. The old is letter of the law, the new is spirit. Wow. Hebrews 8, 13, 9, 15, 12, 24, the new covenant. We've entered the holy of holies in heaven, not the one on earth. The veil that was rent was the flesh of Jesus Christ, allowing us to come in. And we have one mediator, one intercessor, Jesus Christ. What should our attitude be to such an offer of salvation? We should fall on our face and do reverence and say, Behold your servant, even as Mephibosheth said in verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for thee. Listen, ungodly. I presume you qualify. Romans 5, 6. And when some would try to discredit your adoption as a child of God and point out to your unworthy condition and say, he's lame in his feet, as Ziba did from Mephibosheth in verse 3. And remind them that you're saved by grace through faith, that not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. When David had everything he ever desired, all power, all supreme rulership, he chose to seek out to graciously bless one who personally did not deserve it, the son of Jonathan, Mephibosheth. This is the grace of God towards the sinner, the redemption. What an incredible parallel to this text of this chapter. The grace of David towards Mephibosheth was the expositional. The grace of God towards Israel is the prophetical. 
And the grace of God towards the sinner is the redemptional. It's still going on, ladies and gentlemen. He wants to redeem you. It's all up to you. We pray you repent in Jesus' name. Pastor Xavier Reese, summarizing so vividly today the picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament passage of 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now this study is simply titled, David's Grace on Mephibosheth, and is available upon request for just $4. We can send you a copy on a single CD that will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, David's Grace on Mephibosheth, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And be sure to join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com